0: Everybody, and welcome to Coach's Corner. I've really been focusing on making sure that the interviews and the episodes that I put up during this time really, really serve you during this time of uncertainty and opportunity and creativity and anxiety. (laughs) I didn't even know I was going to rhyme all those things. And today's guest definitely is going to shed some light on some things that maybe you've been dealing with for a while. I have Nicole Sachs with me today. I'll tell you more about her in a moment. But she is on an expert on freeing your body from chronic pain. And you may think, well, geez, Christine, how does this tie into everything that's going on now? Well, so much of what creates chronic pain is emotional suppression. And I think we have a beautiful opportunity as we're all in our own version of a personal retreat, to do some deeper work and not only free ourselves of some of the emotional stress that we're dealing with, but maybe some of the chronic pain, either physical or emotional, that we've been dealing with or bearing for many years. I trust you're really going to enjoy Nicole. She and I think and feel a lot alike, and we'll get to that interview in just a moment. I want to speak to, first, the single ladies out there. No offense to the single men. We definitely have resources for you, too. But first, want to speak to the single women. As you may or may not know, right after our wedding, Stephanos and I launched a program called Be The Queen, which was all for single women calling in their men. And it was so successful, like so incredibly successful, not in terms of our numbers or the amount of people, but the results that the women got from the program and how much they loved it. Just go to ChristineHassler.com slash Be The Queen and watch the video and read some of the testimonials. It was just beyond our wildest dreams and expectations, so we want to do it again. Now, let me tell you why, and I did an Instagram Live and a Facebook Live, and it's up on my Instagram feed now on why I think this is the perfect time to date and call on a relationship. And you may be thinking, well, just Christine, we can't leave our house and I'm freaking out about money right now, so I'm not going to like invest in another program. All right, let me speak to both those things and go watch my live if you want to know more. Just want to bullet point it here. First of all, it is the perfect time to date because you get to know someone virtually. You get to know someone without the pressure to go and meet, without any expectations around physical intimacy or how long do I wait before I have sex or any of those things. You get to really get to know someone and ask a lot of questions and have a lot of incredible conversations. And I'm not just saying this because I think it's like a theoretically good idea. This is how I fell in love. I fell in love with Steph before we ever met physically. I was in Encinitas, he was in Perth, Australia, opposite sides of the world. And for two months, we got to know each other virtually, it was all over WhatsApp. And it was amazing. So, for many reasons, which I explain more in the live, perfect time to date. Also, I think a lot of people, especially men, are going to be wanting a relationship after this period. After spending this much time alone, you start to realize hey, You know, this would be better with a partner. This would be better with a family. This would be better with someone special in my life. This opportunity is also a time to do deep work, to really clear out the cobwebs, to remove any blocks that are in your way between you and your ideal relationship and life. I have seen from so many people, and we're only a few weeks in to this stay at home period, this personal retreat period, and the epiphanies people are having, the deep work people are doing, there's less distraction. So there's more opportunity to go deep and we really teach that to you and be the queen. So here's the deal. There's a special bonus for any of you that join before April 1st, so you got a lickety-split, get on it. Now, if you're listening to this a few days after April 1st because you're behind on your podcast, just email jill at christinehasser.com. Say, hey, I'm a podcast listener. I'm listening to this April 4th. Is there any way you can honor the bonus for me? And we will. But we want you to take action quickly. And if you do register before April 1st or around there, you can join us for another bonus call. So there's already going to be nine, possibly 10 live, calls in the program. And you can get another bonus one that we're doing April 7th, so pretty soon, to really support you during that time. And it's only for the queens that come into the program. So it'll be a very intimate call. So again, go to christinehassler.com slash be the queen or email jill at christinehassler.com. Steph and I are continuing to do our live guided breathwork coaching and meditation sessions. You can access all of those at christinehassler.com slash free meditation. And we're doing a second teaching on love and relationships. That's a $20 investment. So if you want to get a taste of how we coach on love and relationships, you can go to christinehassler.com slash group. We are doing that event on Monday, April 6th at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. So lots of, lots of goodies to enjoy. All right. Let me tell you a little bit more about our guest, Nicole. So Nicole Sachs is a speaker, writer, podcaster, and psychotherapist who has dedicated her work and her practice to the treatment of chronic pain, symptoms, syndromes, and conditions. She is the author of the book, The Meaning of Truth, and the online course, Freedom from Chronic Pain. Her brand and mission, The Cure for Chronic Pain, has a website, podcast, and YouTube channel. Her personal experience, as well as her work with thousands of people around the world, have shaped and elevated Nicole's theories, which serve to teach those suffering how to heal themselves completely with no medication or surgery. Pretty awesome, right? Before we dive in, I want to thank my sponsor for today, which is BetterHelp.com. And this is just such the perfect time for this sponsor, Basically, BetterHelp is an online service that matches you with your own licensed professional therapist. So if you're having a really hard time right now, if you're having a lot of anxiety, if you're having a lot of uncertainty, if you're having a lot of stuff come up, please know that you don't have to go through this alone. You can start communicating with a licensed professional therapist in under 24 hours It's not a crisis line, it's professional counseling done securely online. They have a broad range of expertise and BetterHelp's counselor network, which may not be local available in some areas, and hello, (laughs) we're all staying at home, so all therapy is going virtual right now. And the service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. You can visit their website, read their testimonials, and get matched with your counselor today. Just go to BetterHelp, B-E-T-T-E-R, H e l p dot com slash on with it. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash on with it. I have a special offer for all of you. You get ten percent off your first month again at betterhelp dot com slash on with it. And now on to my talk with Nicole Sachs. Nicole, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. We're going to talk about a lot today. We're going to talk about pain, the the nature of pain, and how we can actually be pain-free physically and I'd say emotionally and mentally too. And you have a quite an inspiring story of how you received a diagnosis and weren't a lot of pain and actually shifted out of that completely. Can you start off by telling us a little of your story? Sure,
1: so right now as we stand today, I'm 47 years old so when I'm telling the story, the reason I think that's important is because you need to know kind of how far back this goes in my life. So when I was 19 years old, I was a freshman in college and I had what I call now an acute pain incident. So what other people might say is my back went out. It was a particularly stressful time and I just, I don't remember exactly what I reached for or how I twisted or how I bent, but I was in such excruciating pain. My parents actually had to drive to college and remove me and bring me home, I was not able to care for myself. And so once I got home, they put me through the typical battery of tests, x-rays, MRIs. And the day that I went to see the orthopedic surgeon, he put my x-ray up on the screen. And apparently, I have a condition that is incredibly severe to look at. Most orthopedic surgeons go a little pale when they see it. But I have a condition called acute degenerative spondylolisthesis, which means that there are some very serious structural abnormalities in my lower spine. So when you look at the picture of my spine, I have an entire vertebrae that shattered and replaced with scar tissue. And two of my vertebrae look like they sit atop one another without a disc. And then I have some stress fractures in my other vertebrae. And nobody knows how I got it, whether it be riding horses when I was little, some say I could have been born that way. But the important thing is I was told that this was the reason for my back pain. And I was also told at the time, and remember I was 19 years old, that if I were to have spinal fusion surgery, it might help me. However, it isn't guaranteed to take any of my pain away and it would leave me in a body cast for six weeks and decreased mobility for life. Now, granted, Mm. this was like 1991. Mm. So um, maybe surgeries have gotten a lot more sophisticated since then. But as far as, as me, as a practicing psychotherapist, they have not gotten any better at relieving pain. So I was told that I didn't need the surgery at the time, that I should just live my life with severe restrictions. No exercise, no travel, no riding in the car for more than an hour because of the bumpy motion and the likelihood that I would have biological children was slim to none because of the amount of weight that the baby would be putting, the pressure it would be putting on my back. And that could cause me to have an incident that would be so severe. You know, no one really said like horrible things, like you'll be paralyzed or you won't be able to walk. But it was implied that things would be very dark if I didn't behave the way I was told to behave in a very fear-driven, limited life.
0: Mm. And so (laughs) when you were told all that, what was your first reaction to it? Oh my God. I mean, like total fear just absolute terror
1: and sadness. And I was also in so much physical pain. I actually don't even know how much room there was for fear because I was suffering so acutely at that time. And I was on steroids and I was on, they were like muscle relaxers. And thank God at the time, they weren't um, prescribing opioids as liberally. So I didn't get addicted to opioids, thank God. But it was just now, now a kid like that really would, I think. Um, and so anyway, I, I ended up, Um, discovering mind-body medicine. I I discovered it also in denial. So when you say, how was I feeling? There was like a part of me that was upset, but a part of me was like, nah, I'm not, I'm not. Like, I just couldn't, there was a block. It was so huge, I think, that there was a way, there was a block and I just felt, you know what, I'm not accepting this. Like, I know that I'm shaped this way inside, but maybe there's another answer. And that opened my mind to willingness to eventually fall into the
0: world of mind-body medicine. And you didn't just fall into it as someone who is practicing it yourself. You fell into it in terms of now you're a therapist and you help people free themselves of pain. So tell us a little bit about how you got from being 19, having this diagnosis to being someone who online and in, in practice teaches people how to get out of pain for the rest of their life.
1: So essentially what happened was, you know, what happens so often in stories that you hear is we start to save our own lives first. And so I became, you know, I became a student of this through understanding the work of Dr. John Sarno. And he at the time was a attending physician at the Rusk Center for Rehabilitation at NYU Medical Center in New York City. And I found his work and I started, like he had best selling books, and so I started reading his books, and I I started understanding that I did not have to be in pain, that sometimes we feel things in our hearts and sometimes we feel things in our bodies. And although there are myriad reasons that we might think is the reason for our pain, our pain is actually born of the fight or flight response in the nervous system and of brain science and of repressed emotions coming up and the very protective mechanism that our brain can enact in order to cause physical pain to divert us from feeling these very painful feelings. Now, although that sounds, even when I say it now, after 20 years in practice, it still sounds too good to be true, but the truth of the matter is that this is the capital T truth of what's happening inside our bodies for so many different afflictions. And once I started practicing the work in my own body and I became completely pain-free, so now it's going on 15 years plus that I have not had any back pain, Now I, and then, so I went to school and I got all the degrees and I started working with Dr. Sarno at NYU and lecturing to huge halls of people, helping them. And then he started referring into my practice. And then for the last about five to seven years, I've been building up my virtual practice. So my book and my online course and my consulting practice and my retreat practice in order to avail as many people as possible. In In my estimation, my hope is everyone on the planet we'll see that this work is an option for them. Because once you wrap your brain around what you need to do to heal yourself, the results are like a modern miracle. It's incredible
0: the healing that I see in people. Mm. So let's let's rewind a little bit because I really wanna break down what you said in terms of physical pain is the body's way of dealing with basically an emotion in some way. So can you you can either use your example or an example of one of the people that you've treated. Can you break it down and give us an example of how this happens in the body and the mind?
1: Okay, so I'll start with a general explanation and then we can bring it up into a personal story. Great, so, so here, here's what, what happens. As a human being walking the earth, you need to use the defense mechanism of repression by design, the reason that we have repression is because it's impossible for a person to go through human life as sentient as we are and experience and feel and metabolize every single thing that happens to us. And then you also have to add on to that that life isn't perfect. So we experience trauma, we experience loss and grief and shock and all the things that really affect us. And so there's a certain amount of that that we're able to consciously deal with and then a really huge amount of it that we have to repress. And so you go through life, you have childhood and then you have the daily life, the stressors of marriage and family and job and money and all the things. And we have our personalities, which are often perfectionistic and goodest and approval seeking. And we want to be seen as a good person and we want to be well-liked and we want to... And oh, and codependency, of course, which is like we need other people to be okay for us to be okay. So there's such an amount of data that is coming in all the time from those three things, childhood, daily life and personality that go into this, what Dr. Sarno called the reservoir of rage. Now he liked to use the word rage because he thought it was the most unacceptable of human emotions, which I agree is true, but it's not just rage. I call it the reservoir of rage and shame and sadness and grief and trauma and all the things that are existing that we unconsciously are holding within us. So I just need to explain, like, that's what's happening to you. And this is not conjecture. This is literally what's happening to every sentient being because
0: it's so, impossible not to. Basically to sum it up in like a bite size is we're walking around, especially as children, things happen. Our our parents get divorced. We get teased in school. We see something traumatic. If we felt all of that, It's like we couldn't function as humans. We develop a repression system so that we aren't in fight or flight emotional reaction the whole time because our system just couldn't handle that. That is absolutely correct. Got it. And so
1: what happens, so now we're we're moving on. So what happens now when we are now adults, and actually this happens to children too, depending on how sensitive they are, because I have five children and By the way, just to finish up my story, I was told I would never have biological children or do any of those things. I've traveled the world. I run, I do kickboxing, I Mm -hmm. exercise. I gave birth to three biological children and exercised till the day they were born. And my back still looks exactly the same on MRI. So I have a structural abnormality, but it never accounted for my pain. So I should just add that, you know, so people understand that it is a beautiful miracle. Every time I carry a stupid suitcase up the stairs, you know, every little thing, I feel tremendous gratitude in my life because it's things I was told I would never do. Mm -hmm. So anyway, moving on to how this happens in your body. So you repress all of these these events and these feelings out of necessity, as you just mentioned. And this is when we have a problem. And this is why it's so confusing to people. If you picture this reservoir inside of you, this reservoir of rage and shame and trauma and sadness and grief and loss, it's inside of you. And there's only so much that your nervous system and your brain can handle before something is triggered to Ignite a reaction that says to you, you are in danger. A predator is here. So, if you think about our primitive brain, our brain stem, our fight or flight, where a fight or flight lives in our body, it is the exact same as it was in early man. And so, for early man, you step out of the cave and you see the saber toothed tiger, you're going to have a reaction in your body that's going to lead you to fight, to flee, or to freeze, depending on how you can save your own life. When these repressed emotions and this reservoir threaten to spill over and inform your conscious brain of how stuck and how scared and how angry and how unbearable your life feels to you, sometimes it's not even real. Sometimes it's just our stuff and our perception of our life. But when it threatens to spill over, there is an automatic reflexive reaction in the body where the brain and the nervous system have to decide what hurts and what hurts worse. And the predator of your repressed emotions are seen as a greater threat than a migraine or back pain or fibromyalgia or irritable bowel, anything that can keep you small and safe. I always always call it safe in the unsafest way, but it can keep you in a space where this big bad world that's continuing to dump into your reservoir isn't as much of a threat anymore. And if you think about it, it makes perfect sense. Because if my, you know, I use this example all the time, like if my Aunt Edna is coming to the family reunion and Aunt Edna has always made me feel bad about myself and I know she's just going to criticize my parenting and blah, blah, blah. Well, getting a migraine and staying home from that family reunion, isn't that a safer space? Mm Mm-hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it doesn't make sense, but it makes sense, you know? (laughs) And so that is what's happening to all of us, which is why people sometimes ask the question well, how can my migraine be the same as her fibro, and her fibro be the same as his back, and his back be the same as her panic attacks, and her panic attacks be the same as his irritable bowel, and on and on and on. Because it's just how your particular body is metabolizing this reflexive reaction in your nervous system, but it's only because. It's going to enter everyone differently based on conditioning. You know, oh, my mom got migraines. Oh, and my grandmother before her, so I'm a migraine sufferer. It doesn't mean you're not a migraine sufferer. These symptoms are all real and they are not in your head. This is very important, often misconception of my work and Dr. Sarno's work that I'm saying the pain is in your head. The pain is in your body, but the solution is in getting these repressed emotions into the light and being able to see that feeling them will not kill you.
0: Mm. Well, I can relate so much to this because I woke up with headaches every day from when I was mm, in fifth grade till my late twenties. Yeah. And they didn't go away until I started doing anger release mm-hmm. and crying and, and really, but it was so much of that repressed anger and, and just repressing all my feelings. Cause I, still am, but as a child, I was incredibly clairsentient. Mm-hmm. um a very highly sensitive child and I felt everything and I could see things too. It was very, I, I was very intuitive as a kid. I saw all kinds of crazy things. Well, I, they seemed crazy at the time. Now they make sense. And I, for me, having the headache and I had them right in my third eye, that was the only place I ever had a headache. So what I'm hearing you say and what I've always thought is my body created the headaches because that was more manageable Mm -hmm. than seeing everything I was seeing and feeling everything I was feeling. And when I was finally ready to feel some of those feelings, I had repressed and knew how to do it in a safe way and it wasn't too overwhelming. I stopped waking up with headaches every day.
1: Wow. It's a beautiful example and it's exactly what I teach. Mm. What did you discover about your back? That pain. So do you have time to tell a little bit of the story of how? Yes, please. please. Okay, great. So this is obviously taking like one small story in in a much longer timeline, but I have so much stuff to read out there if people are interested in the whole thing. So when I finally went to see Dr. Sarno in New York, so what had happened was I had initial relief of my back pain from reading his book and from understanding the process of what was going on in my body and my brain. But after having two out of three of my kids, so I had a... Uh, like a 10-month-old and I had uh, almost, God, she she wasn't even, They were 22 months apart, so she wasn't even three. So I had two kids at that point under the age of two when he was born, when Oliver was born. And it was very overwhelming to me. And when I was outside with him, he was on a little walker, walking, toddling around my deck. And I was scared that he was going to take the walker over the steps that led to the driveway. It was only two or three steps. I picked up the walker and I went to bring it down the steps. And it felt like there was a hot knife dragging through my back. And all my mind body stuff went out the window. I went into such fight or flight and I said, well, I did it now Now i've ruined it Mm -hmm. first of all the shame right that the shame and the the guilt and the the anger at myself I tempted fate I thought this mind body stuff was the way and now i've screwed it up and i've ruined everything And I went into a year of real depression and chronic pain trying to take care of these kids And um, I did everything I did physical therapy three days a week, electric stim treatments on my back, therapeutic massages, steroids, muscle relaxers. Then they put me on opioids. It was just a total nightmare. So finally, after a year of that chronic pain, well, in this was what happened. I was in a deli and I was going to pay the bill. And if you have ever been to one of these delis where you have to pay at the front, they have this beautiful section right at the front where all the delicious treats and gummy worms and chocolate-covered pretzels and everything are in those clear containers, like two feet off the ground where little kids are just walking around. And so my kids started grabbing at these containers and like, mommy, and shaking them. And they were really little. They were like one in three. And it was so unmanageable. And I was in so much pain. And I was trying to pay. And my kids were going crazy. And I was so embarrassed. And I finally got them out of the store. And I was in a very active parking lot. And I got to my car with them holding each of them with, by their wrist and I couldn't get them in the car. Like mm. my back was just locked and, and screaming in pain. I couldn't let go of either of them to get my keys. And I, if I let go of either of them, they could have been instantly killed. I mean, there were t- cars driving back and forth and they had no sense of danger. And I just stood in the parking lot and I laid my head on the window of the car and I just sobbed. I just cried for my ruined life and my bad decisions. It was a really dark time. But what was amazing about that dark time, which you and I spoke briefly about before we jumped on air um, regarding the state of affairs we're in right now with the coronavirus, is that sometimes the darkest of times can lead us to just an opening, just a crack in the shell where light can flow in. And once I finally, you know, cried it out and got the kids in the car and, and got home, I really surrendered. And I really sort of opened myself to the universe. And I said, I'll do anything. I will do anything. Like I can't live like this. And that's when I decided to actually go see Dr. Sarno in New York city at the time he was still practicing. Now he's since passed away. So I'm carrying his work on to the world. Mm. But, um, when I saw him, he explained to me what I needed to do. And what I needed to do is I needed to systematically journal and journal out all these things from childhood, daily life, and personality that were repressed. Because what his theory was and what I have learned to be absolutely true is once the brain can get its arms around the fact that you can feel these things and not die, the predator is, goes poof. The predator Mm. of these repressed emotions doesn't have power anymore. And as soon as that happens, the physical pain just, it ceases to be necessary. And so the story is that I sat down, I was in excruciating pain and I sat down to do this work and I was journaling about this and that. And I made the lists he told me to make and I put motherhood at the top of the page. And I started journaling about motherhood and I was saying things that were true which is I have two babies. This wasn't the plan to have my second one too soon. I have two babies in cribs. I have two babies in diapers. You know, I'm I'm telling the story. And I just had this moment that I really feel is a spiritual awakening where I got this voice that came into my head that said, you're lying. And I was like, I'm not lying though. This is all true about my life. But the voice really said to me, this is not the kind of journaling that's going to heal you. If you're Mm -hmm. in such a state of fight or flight that your pain is screaming day and night, this is talking about diapers and cribs. What's going on? What is going on? And I was able to really lay myself bare. And I wrote, you know, what I call is the first line of journal speak ever penned. And journal speak is the method by which I teach people to heal. And I wrote, I hate being a mother. Mm. And I can't even tell you, even to this day, I have told the story a million times. I've been interviewed so many times. I still get that lump in my throat when I say it because it was so dark mm-hmm. for me to say that. It was it was a lifetime of wanting and fantasizing to be a mother and then almost not getting to be one because of this back problem, overcoming that, getting to be a mother, and also really not realizing how much that I had perceived that. Being a mother myself was going to heal the wounds of my childhood,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which of course it does not do without <laughs> a lot of work.
0: Yes. A lot of people think it will. <laughs> yes. But
1: a lot of, and I was really at the top of that heap, naive mm. and sweet and tender and really felt that if I could just be the mommy that, you know, the, give, do the life I always wanted to do and not have the burden of my parents' bad decisions and, you know, all that, and i just came crumbling down when i was just crying and writing about how i hated it and something was wrong and i was failing and what and what and my life was ruined and i was stuck and i'm writing and i'm writing and what's really beautiful about telling the truth like this in your journal speak which no one needs to ever see but you is it started to transform and i was like wait a second wait a second i don't hate being a mother i love what's going on here i love my children What's going on here? And it started allowing me to see what I just said, that I was really thinking that this was gonna solve it all. And then I was able to really talk about my parents and say, screw you, I hate you. Why did you make these decisions? I was just a child, you know, really. So anyway, I'm fast forwarding, but the whole journaling experience, which probably took me hours, I don't even remember at this point, brought me to a place of tremendous compassion. Compassion for myself. I was wrung out compassion for my parents. And, you know, not, and this is sort of impossibly rare for it to all happen in one afternoon, but I was obviously being slated for a greater task <laughs> to bring this <laughs> to, to the world. So, you know, not everybody gets this kind of upheaval, but I woke up the next morning and my back pain was about 80% gone. And over the course of the next month, journaling religiously and, and uncovering all the other stuff that I had been scared to
0: look at, it went away and it never came back. That's incredible. That's just so incredible. So that that back pain was different than, well, I guess it was, it was from the same thing, but when you were 19 and you got out of pain the first time, it was a different emotional reason? Well, the thing about 19 is,
1: okay, so some people have what they call a book cure, which is they read Dr. Sarno's book. They understand that they're not broken. They understand that what the doctors have told them is, although well-meaning, not True for them that just because they have a bulging disc doesn't mean it causes any pain or just because you know they have uh, food sensitivities doesn't mean that that not necessarily is causing their irritable bowel. Like there's a switch that flips because all we're doing is trying to move the nervous system from fight or flight to rest and repair. As soon as that happens, your pain signals stop firing. So sometimes that can happen from just the realization and the awakening that you're not as screwed up as you thought you were. So that's what happened to me when I first read the book. I was just kind of like, "Oh, I see. My back is all weird and, you know, I might look different than the skeleton in health class, but that doesn't account for my pain, so I'm fine." So, you know, I guess what happened was I didn't have all that much repressed emotion to uncover at that point and that realization was enough for me. But after having the two kids and all the other stresses of life that had come along in the in the years prior, I think I needed to really do the work. Mm. And what I would say to your audience is we all need to really do the work. Even people who claim they have a book cure, that can be a brief thing, but then they won't realize that even though they used to have back pain, now they get shoulder pain and they, they're they at a physical therapist for that. You know, like, because it's mm. always going to have to be expressed somewhere in your body. So if I were a person listening to this, that's totally new, what I would say to you is just learn about what I'm saying. There's so many resources that I'm sure, Christine, you're going to give everybody of where to learn and, you know, about my work about Sarno's and just do this for yourself. Give yourself the gift of being curious because what I will tell you is I've created my entire life by replacing fear with curiosity and just saying, I wonder, I wonder if this can help me because the science backs it up and, and tons of anecdotal stuff backs it up. But, each person has to decide for themselves, how long do I want to suffer? And if you if the answer is not one more day, then there's something to be done.
0: Mm, I love that. And I'm going to ask you more specific questions about what people can start to do. I just want to back up for a second. So if people right now are super curious, you can go to the thecureforchronicpain.com and all that's linked up in the show notes. I just want to make a distinction or maybe there isn't one. So I'll just use myself again, because I think it's, it's great to use real life examples. I still get headaches sometimes before it rains. Is <laughs> I definitely get them sometimes when I fly. And sometimes I think about, is that just a reaction to circumstances or is that more repressed stuff? Same thing with right now, my lower back's hurting because we just moved in and I've been lifting heavy things and not probably using my abs as much. So what's the distinction between pain that is a response to circumstances versus pain that is the body trying to tell you something? Or is there no difference at all?
1: Well, okay, so that's a great question. So let me break it down. If you drop a hammer on your foot, you're going to say whatever words come (laughs) out of your mouth. (laughs) And and then you're going to be in pain for a certain period of time. Mm -hmm. So you're going to be in pain, let's say, for a week you're going to feel it it's going to get a little less and a little less every day and then it's going to be gone the body gets injured and the body heals they say when you break the largest bone in your body which is the femur if it is set properly it will heal in six weeks period the end it's done it's it does not cause you any pain probably after only a week you know and then it just it's completely healed after six weeks and everything should be exactly fine your body is a beautiful miracle that is capable of healing. So I don't ever want anyone to think that I'm implying that you can't get hurt. You know, you can get hurt. We can strain tendons. We can tear tendons and need reconstructive surgery, but for whatever there is that could hurt you. So I'm actually thinking about you lifting heavy boxes. It's possible to strain a muscle in your back, of course. So that's one category of pain, which is what I call acute pain and something that is sometimes needing medical intervention, if it's obviously a break or a tear, but for the most part, if you take the proper care of yourself, it'll heal in a, in the given period of time and then it's over. Every other thing that afflicts human beings, which includes every kind of headache, unless you have a brain tumor, which you do not, and every kind of back pain that involves, oh God, I'm just, you know, my back for some reason lately is a process by the process by which I'm talking about. And Sometimes, you know, in the past before I had so much data and so many years of working with thousands of people, I have been accused of being too confident about that. But I'm going to tell you right now, just borrow my confidence because I have seen the most incredible, I've seen people in motorized wheelchairs who are running marathons right now. And that's Mm. like a very typical story. I have people with head and facial pain so severe, they were hospitalized, they were, you know, on suicide watch and they are completely fully functioning people pain-free. I'm not, and I have a podcast where I interview tons of them. So um, it's available for a lot of people to, to listen to. So what I'll say to you about your headaches and your back pain, everyone has repressed emotions. If you're mm-hmm. alive, you have repressed emotions. There's no cure for the human condition there are two things that are happening to you. The first is that you just have a little stuff bubbling under the surface. You know, maybe it's a little stressful that you moved. Maybe there's some work you could do around it. And more than anything, it's conditioning. The nervous system and the brain are incredibly sensitive to conditioning. So if you think that you get headaches when the rain is rolling in, there is a tiny fear response that happens that starts flipping that switch into fight or flight. You start mm-hmm. looking for it. You start expecting it. It's fine. I, you know, I think what we have to do more often than anything is just forgive ourselves for like the myriad ways that we make meaning out of things. Mm-hmm. We're just soft, soft little babies. We're just human animals. You know, we're just like, yeah. we don't have like a big shell, you know, <laughs> like we're scared that things are going to poke us and hurt us and, and affect us. And so, you know, one of the great things I've watched people do is be able to become awake to those conditioning parts of our systems and to do the journal speak work. You know, the work that I prescribe is a 30 minute practice. That's it. All I'm asking is 30 minutes of your day 20 minutes of journal speak, which I explain in all of my offerings and 10 minutes of loving kindness meditation that comes directly after. So you can forgive yourself for some of the hard things you need to say. Cause you know, when I said, I hate being a mother, I had to say it like rip roaring every swear word. I, it had to come out like, like almost like throwing up, like it had to come out of me, but When I kind of, when I finally came to peace, like at the end of the session and just, or sometimes it takes several sessions on each, you know, on whatever topic, I had to forgive myself for saying those ugly things because they didn't stay true. Like I, and that's another thing that you have to really understand. You need to take the risk of saying these things out loud only to yourself. You destroy the journal speak, by the way, as soon as you're done. So if you're typing it, you just delete the document. Or if you're writing it on paper, you just rip it up and throw it in a public garbage can or somewhere where no one's going to find it. Cause it's just an exercise. You know, I have, I have a client, a former client who says, you know, you don't have to look at it afterward. It's like sneezing or going to the bathroom, like just flush. Like it's, it's just getting it out. And, and once you do that, the pain signals stop firing. And so once you're doing that, you're so much less susceptible to those conditioned responses. And you can start saying, I know, I know. It's almost like a kindness to yourself. I know. I always think that I'm gonna get a headache when it rains and I see the rains coming. Maybe let's try, we don't need one today. Let's see, let's see, let's be curious. Maybe we do, maybe we're gonna get it anyway, but maybe not this time. And when you don't have the repressed emotions,
0: you're not as sensitive to getting it. Yeah. Well I'll have to experiment because sometimes I don't even know it's gonna rain. I just wake up with a headache and then it rains. <laughs> it's like, oh, there it is. So I'm gonna do some digging in that because it's we it's I love how um parallel our teachings are. I teach something called release writing, which is basically the same thing and you burn it or you rip it up. And I always encourage people, including myself, to say the things that they're so afraid of saying. You know, like a lot of people when they're wanting to heal parent wounds, they're like, I can't say these bad things about my parents. Like I can't, I'm like, but it's in there anyway. Like it's, it's right. in there. That's so right. you're right. just, it's not like you're making it up. It's, it's there anyway, so better out than in. Um, so I love that, I love that tool. And again, everybody, the cure for chronic pain is how you can learn more. So Nicole, disease, is this yes. the same go for disease? Well, depends on what disease you're talking about. So do you mean like cancer? Any cancer, autoimmune disorders, anything.
1: Okay. So here's what I'll say about disease. There is a mind-body component to literally everything we do. And let me just explain this for a moment because I think that people can wrap their heads around it more if they understand that what I'm explaining, you already believe. So like when I'm sitting in front of a lecture hall of people, one of the first things I'll do often is I'll say, okay, everyone, if you've ever had a long, stressful day and you've gotten a headache, raise your hand. Every single hand in the whole auditorium goes up. And I said, okay, well, did you get an MRI that night if you had a brain tumor? Right? And usually everyone's like laughing because of course not. You know, they just realize stress can cause a headache. And then I'm like, okay, so have you ever gotten a call maybe late at night and you look at your phone and it's your mother and all automatically you feel sick to your stomach, right? Like what's wrong? And everyone says, yes, yes, yes. And I'm like, right. An emotional genesis can cause a physical reaction, right? You got the weird phone call or you saw the number and you felt it in your stomach. It's, you already believe that emotional stimuli can cause physical reactions, And so mind-body connection is prevalent in absolutely everything we do. And also there's, you know, myriad studies that any sort of stress and any sort of overwhelming feelings that are extensive and chronic lower the immune system, lower our immune response. And of course, in the world of coronavirus, people are talking about this quite a bit. And so what I will say to disease is this. I don't think that I can cure cancer once you have it but I think I can absolutely keep you from getting it because mm-hmm. I know the state of being of people who are constantly stressed. They do not release their repressed emotions. As you just mentioned, They, if they can't get out, they just have to live within. And that can become a very toxic environment for your immune system. And it leaves you open to
0: lots of things. And you might not even think you're stressed. You might be like, no, my life isn't that stressful, but you may have numbing and coping strategies that you realize that you're not that stressed. Like it might be that glass or two of wine every night. It may be the social media surfing. It may be the shopping. Like those distracting mechanisms often make us think we're not stressed because we have sort of a release but it's that unhealthy release valve instead of the healthy release valve that you're talking about. So thank you for that. That's so important to know. Um, Let's, as we wrap up here with the coronavirus awareness being really big right now, what are some things we can do to keep ourselves healthy? Well,
1: I think, you know, one of the things I've been talking to my community a lot about in terms of coronavirus is the incredible power of an acceptance practice. You know, what people when people hear the word acceptance and the word surrender, oftentimes they ha- it has a negative connotation. They feel like, well, that means I'm tolerating, you know, mm-hmm. bad things happening or I, I don't care. I'm saying I don't care that the world is suffering. No, no, no. No, you're not. Of course you care and you are not tolerating anything negative coming to you. What you're doing is realizing that you don't want to spin your wheels over something you cannot control. And I'll give you an example. So my mom is 80 years old, and she lives a town away from me in Lewis, Delaware. I live in Rehoboth Beach. And she was I was on the phone with her cause I can't see her right now. And, um, and we were talking and I said, are you okay? And she said, she just went on this whole rant. She's like, well, you know, I'm okay. But like, what if this happens? And what if that happens? And what if this happens? I said, mom, she said, yeah. <laughs> I said, your name is, I'm not going to say her name. But I'm like, this is your name and this is where you live. And this is your address. And this is, you know, your life. Mm-hmm. And she said, yes. And I said, that's all you can do, mom. I'm like, there's nothing that any of those things that you just said, you have any control over. So you being upset about it right this moment, is it helping you? Is it serving you? And she was like, it's almost like taking an air out of a big balloon. She goes, Mm -hmm. no, it's not. And I said, that's right. So it doesn't mean you don't care. And it doesn't mean you don't have a big heart. And it doesn't even, it doesn't even mean you turn off the news. If you want to be informed, be informed, but realize everything in life, Christine, and this is like a big thing I teach comes down to a choice between what hurts and what hurts worse. There is no third option that everything can stay exactly the same and we get a different result. It just doesn't happen that way. So if we can understand that right now we have two choices, we can freak out and worry about things that we can't control, or we can practice acceptance. And when you put it out there like that, what people realize is that it hurts worse to freak out about things we can't control there comes a point where we're open to acceptance because there's really no other choice, you yeah. know? And and I really think that can that can help people so much. I mean, trust me, I know we're all scared and we could be, you know, my heart, I'm such an empath that my heart is so swollen for the whole world and how people are yeah. suffering and, and Italy and oh my God, Italy. And like, you know, and I can go there and trust me, I'm like, I'm a product of my product. I have to rein myself back in a hundred times a day, but it's a worthwhile effort to keep coming back to center and saying, is this serving me to be upset right now? How can I pause and change the channel? And I just think that's a really worthwhile effort.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I, you know, for me, I'm a huge empath too. No, no surprise. And I, I've had to, because I have felt it in my heart. Like I felt like there's just a 4,000 pound weight in my chest and I've had to pretty much cry every day. I've had to do release writing. I've had to get that out. Sometimes I've had to dance. Sometimes I've had to yell yes. and scream because I'm pretty there's part of me that's angry too. Um, and then and then for me, when I get that emotional that emotional suppression out, it's a lot easier to get to the acceptance yes. because I'm not fighting against my own, because emotion, energy in motion, right? I'm not fighting against my own emotions that are getting triggered by this because I think. All of our inner children, inner wounding gets triggered during mass uncertainty. Sure. And we, we all are influenced by the collective in terms of fear. And I'm sure we've all, as kids, had moments when our parents were in uncertainty and they were scared about something and then we were scared because it was like, oh no, my safety system's scared. Now I'm scared. Now what do I do? And that's how a lot of us are feeling right now. But I love what you're saying is... Acceptance is not resignation. It's not condoning what's going on. It's, I love what Brian Katie says. When you fight with reality, you only lose 100% of the time. Yes, (laughs) (laughs) I love that too. So this is so helpful. And I know that people are 100% going to want to learn more. So I've given your website, thecureforchronicpain.com. Where else can people go to connect with you, learn more, listen to your podcasts and so forth? So the easiest way to find me is to just remember that my
1: brand is The Cure for Chronic Pain because it's the name of my podcast. It's the name of my YouTube channel. It's the name of my website. And my website has links to everything else that I do. I have a pretty active Instagram community and my Instagram handle is at N J Sachs S A C H S, which is my name. And so, if people come to at N J Sachs, I I do a lot of links there to you know different things that I'm doing right now. I'm doing some mini retreats because I was supposed to be teaching on the West Coast in April at the 1440 Multiversity. I don't know if you've heard of that. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, I had a five-day retreat that was supposed to start on April 5th. So that's obviously canceled for now, but it's delayed until October. So if people are actually interested, I have two retreats coming up. One... Um, hopefully, if it's not canceled in August, August 9th through the 14th, I'll be at the Omega Institute for Holistic Studies. That's in upstate New York. And then October, I don't remember the dates because they just changed them. But if you go to um, the website, 1440.org, that's in Santa Cruz, California. And I'll be planning more. I actually was actively planning more right now, but everything is happening. So everything's on hold, but I I have been doing virtual mini retreats. They did sell out almost immediately because I'm only taking 25 people per retreat. So it can be an intimate group via zoom, but check my website. My website is always going to have all the latest offerings. And then also if you're interested in my story, which I told a tiny bit about today, I have a book called the meaning of truth, and that's available on Amazon. And that's part memoir and part how to do this for yourself. There is a whole explanation in the second half of the book of exactly how to do this for yourself. And I have an online course called Freedom from Chronic Pain, which is also Mm -hmm. one of the tabs in my website. Um, And finally, I do have a Facebook community, a closed group, private group on Facebook called Journal Speak with Nicole Sachs, LCSW. And it is a vibrant and loving and supportive community. I can't say enough about how proud I am of this community. They support each other. um, And it's a great place to find
0: love and support and and help in doing my work. Beautiful and maybe some of the peeps that came to my Omega retreat last year go go see Nicole this year. That would be awesome. Omega is a great place. That's a beautiful, beautiful yeah. place. One of my favorite things that you said, and I see now it's on the homepage of your website too, is the pain is not in your head because I so many of us are told that. Yes, <laughs> but the solution is not in your body, so we can truly heal our body using our mind to allow out these repressed emotions thank you so much for taking on this work for being such an inspiration i can hear in your voice how you live this how you really walk the talk and how this truly is your mission and i think it's so refreshing to hear that people don't have to run from physical therapists to acupuncturist to healer to (laughs) that they can actually heal themselves absolutely thank you so much nicole thanks for having me christine